These days, so many podcast hosts just riff through unprepared segments until they get to the next ad break for pills they know nothing about, cheap razors, and whatever else they can get a buck from. But the Higher Side Chats does it differently. We succeed or fail on the quality of the content and your desire to hear more of it. So you're about to hear another free first hour episode that's here to prove the two hour shows are worth subscribing for. Five shows a month for just $8. Members get a mobile friendly website, a decade of archives, a dedicated RSS feed for the best podcast apps, and a lot deeper discussion than a single hour can allow for. Sponsor free with more for thee. Get a free seven-day trial of THC Plus at thehiresidechats.com. Enjoy! In the 1930s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation through a series of radio broadcasts known as the Fireside Chats. His aim was to reassure the common man that our society would recover from its troubled times. Well, we're far from 1930, and I deal with a different kind of fire. For a new era of worldly frustration, we offer a fresh conversation. I'm Greg Carlwood, and these are the Higher Side Chats. What a world, people. From sunny San Diego, I'm Greg Carlwood, and the dial has been turned up to 11, the screws are tightening, and the pot of water is starting to boil. If a person doesn't see the signs of the times now, then they're probably destined to take their climate change throttled electric car to their metaverse cubicle job, eat a satisfying bowl of bugs on an all too short lunch break, scan their social credit controlled ID at the lab made meat shop paid for with their allotted central bank digital currency and then make it home just in time to get a few hours of shut eye in their EMF irradiated smart pod before it starts all over again tomorrow. This is the disturbing wet dream of the parasite class, and if we want something different, it's time to get serious about engaging with real solutions, and not just distracting ourselves with new Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones shows while hoping it somehow brushes by us. Well, there are a few people out there developing and supporting as wide a range of solution-oriented projects as my main man, Derek Bros. He's updating and expanding his holistic self-assessment, putting together really effective educational material with the Pyramid of Power series, giving inspirational speeches all over this island Earth, organizing the annual Greater Reset Conference, continuing to build the Freedom Cells Network, and in the very near future, providing the model for a free and sustainable community with the Conscious Agora. You can find out about all this and more at his main hub, theconsciousresistance.com, and it is a real pleasure to have him back for a third time. The man focused on proactive solutions to a growing cascade of problems. He's beautiful, he's powerful, and he's free. Derek Bros, welcome back to the higher side, man. Hey, thank you, brother. That was epic, epic intro all around. Appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) You got it, man. I am always so impressed with how much you're doing. You really are a shining example of what's needed if we want to build a better world and just how much of a positive impact one person can make. And kind of along those lines of turning a negative into a positive, having you back was bound to happen anyway. But the catalyst was a weird Twitter meltdown from Allison McDowell, (laughs) whose research I have a lot of respect for. She's always seemed like a nice person to me up until that point, but she just unloaded on me for accepting crypto as payment for the extended show. 
But the reality is that if you're using platforms like Twitter or using the banking system and the dollar, maybe you just shouldn't throw stones because nobody is perfect and none of these tools are perfect. But apparently the two of you had a similar clash, I understand. Yeah, man, that's, well, for one, I'll say it's unfortunate to see someone such as yourself, who I think is just all around a genuinely good person who is just, you know, doing great work and bringing that to the people. But it's not surprising, you know, I, I did have my own over the last two years, kind of back and forth with Allison, and not even because it was something I wanted, it was sort of similar to your situation in the sense of it more like happened to you than, you know, <laughs> you actively being involved. And it started because of similar things with, as you said, I do respect a lot of Allison's work and I appreciate much of it to the point that she was going to originally be involved in the Pyramid of Power documentary series. We had agreed to that. We had a mutual appreciation and respect for Native activist John Trudell and had communicated about that. And then one day I get a message from somebody saying, oh, Allison, say this thing or that thing about you. And I you know, went to Twitter and went to Facebook and realized that myself and John, the creators, the founders of the Freedom Cell Network, were both blocked while she began to just basically libel us and, and claim things that are not true about just trying to, I think, draw, uh, for whatever reason, I, I don't claim to know, but trying to create doubt in people's minds about our intentions or who we are or what the Freedom Cell Network's about, which to my mind is like, wow, okay, we're out here creating and promoting solutions, actively helping bring people together. And someone else who's out there doing good research as well is choosing to use the platform they have to attack us. So it just seemed like a whole waste of time. And it was around, of course, blockchain, crypto related stuff. You know, I've done plenty of investigations and reports on the dangers of both blockchain and obviously central bank digital currencies and things like that. But also, like yourself, you know, I take and receive crypto payments. You know, for me, it's allowed me to operate without a bank. Like you mentioned, the banking system. I haven't used a bank since 2008. And a big part of that from 2012 on has been crypto, being able to receive crypto for my journalism and either hold on to it and potentially gain value with it or, you know, sell it to get fiat to pay rent or whatever I need to do. So that's allowed me to transact value with people, receive support. Whenever places like PayPal, Patreon, or the banks, you know, want to try to limit our ability. So I can kind of look at it objectively and see like, yeah, there's some really worrisome things here. There's some things I don't agree with, but there's also lots of benefits. And Allison and her crowd of folks seem to be incapable of doing that. And myself and The Greater Reset, we extended a invitation to her even and said, come share your concerns. Let's have not a debate, but a discussion. Let's hear what you have to say about these things. And we'll also have speakers talking about the benefits of those or the potential benefits. She declined. She didn't want to be involved and instead has like chosen to spend the last year attacking myself and as she has done with other people. So, you know, there's much more, I think, bigger issues at hand, but it is just unfortunate to see somebody who is doing good work out there kind of, I think, shooting themselves in the foot by attacking people and not really even attacking from a point of like, here's evidence of somebody being a bad person, like you said, more just sort of making judgments about the way people live their lives. You know, I don't use a bank account. I could be that way and be like, oh, you're all full of it, this and that. Why are you using this and that? But I don't think it's productive. You know, I think that's not really a way to try to be an example or to model better behavior by just attacking other people, especially as you, like when you mentioned, when you're still using the banks or YouTube or Twitter or whatever, but then you're like, oh, attack everybody who uses a blockchain platform. (laughs) I'm right there with you. We're totally on the same page in terms of crypto and just 
it's as mundane a tool as a hammer. You can build someone a house or bash their head in. And yeah. it's just another tool. And of course, crypto and blockchain technology is a part of the technocratic dystopia, but so is the internet itself. And if I didn't get into Bitcoin back in 2014, when I was really struggling as a GameStop store manager, I probably wouldn't have had the cushion I needed to make the leap to get out of that job and do this full time. That was like a a plan B safety net that existed. And it's just, it's been amazing for me. And, you know, there are so many decentralized and privacy-based crypto projects out there that to say they're all bad is as simple-minded as saying all websites are bad. Yeah. And I just think it's sad to see a person who does really good research behave like that. You got to treat people with respect and don't be judgmental of others who are trying to do good things just because they don't do them exactly to your standard is such a basic principle that someone with twice as much time on the planet to work on themselves as us <laughs> should know better. But these are stressful times, man. And I'm seeing folks lash out in all sorts of unbecoming ways, even just Reddit pages of public freakouts and fast food establishments and Walmart. I mean, people are acting quite erratic because they are under a, a ton of stress and a ton of mind control. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. There's plenty of reason to be compassionate and empathetic towards everybody at the moment. We're all dealing with some really intense situations, which I think is why these kind of conversations are important. I know we're going to cover a lot of ground today and solutions are just more essential than ever. Absolutely. And I definitely want to move on from the negative, but I'm glad we could do this again, regardless of what crazy circumstance brought us back together. And what I'm most excited about is what you're calling the Conscious Agora, a real freedom-based sustainable community in Mexico, I believe, with big plans down the line to create a cross-border community. It's really impressive and really ambitious, but what's going on with this project? Yeah, man, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about that. Actually, I just got back from spending the night at the land that we are hoping to do this project on. So I moved to Mexico. I'm originally from Houston, Texas, and I moved to Mexico right at the start of all the COVID insanity, March 2020. Like, you know, I knew what was coming. And whenever the government starts talking about restricting interstate travel, that's always been a sort of red line for me. You know, it's, I think it's important in our line of thinking or work, however you want to think about it, to have a red line for yourself, like things that you're just not willing to accept, you know, because the way this incrementalism works, it sort of wears you down and you get used to things that maybe you would have never accepted in the past because you just kind of gradually get comfortable with it. So I think it's important to have those red lines to reflect so that you can be like, wait, here it is. Here's that thing I said, I would never accept that this would be, you know, a red line for me. And then, you know, act appropriately, whatever that may mean. For me, in March 2020, when we had, me and my partner Miriam had just got back to the US after visiting Mexico, literally within days, we're starting here all the panic about COVID. The grocery stores are starting to empty out of toilet paper and all that. And then they start talking about checking license plates, leaving, I think it was New York headed to Rhode Island. It was one of those places when they were saying New York was a hotspot. And that was just like, nope, nope, this is it. This is too much for me. Like, we got to go. We got to go. And so we literally packed up, not everything, but our first kind of car load of gear and then headed down to the border. And my partner, she's got family in Mexico. So our original plan was just like, all right, let's just get out of the US for a minute. Let's go back and visit your grandpa and take some time to watch this from a distance. Because I just didn't feel good about watching it within the US, being there actively. And then literally, I think 
a day or two after we crossed, the U.S. government claimed the border was closed. They never closed it, but they actively stated that. And anyways, we end up coming to Morelia, Mexico, which is in the state of Michoacan, which is like central Mexico, a couple hours west of Mexico City, not far from the beach, not far from coast and up in the mountains, beautiful weather all the time. And I'd never been here, didn't know anything about this area, but different synchronicity, different events brought us here and have kept us here, including meeting real estate agents, meeting other good people. And the Freedom Cell movement has grown in Mexico the last two years. You know, once we came, we started the first Mexico Freedom Cell, and then so many people were flooding out in Mexico from Canada, the US, Europe, because Mexico never enforced any sort of vaccine requirement or testing or quarantine requirement. It was one of the few places over the last two years that never did that. So there was a flood of all these people and all these different freedom cells start popping up. People start looking for land. And that was sort of the journey we were on. Miriam and I knew we wanted to build. I had plans for this Conscious Agora vision since 2017. My third book that is part of the Conscious Resistance Trilogy called Manifesto of the Free Humans is the first place I wrote about this when I was intending to do this in Texas originally. But as time progressed, I have just developed less of a optimistic viewpoint on the future of the U.S., you know, not giving up, so to speak, as some like to think about it. You know, a lot of my work is still focused on the U.S., but I just I'm not as optimistic. And places like Mexico and other places in Latin and Central America are, quote unquote, behind in terms of technology in a lot of ways. And there are benefits to that, especially for my preferred lifestyle. So we knew we were going to build this community and we had already decided at some point we were going to do it in Mexico. COVID was just like, okay, why wait five more years? Let's just do it. Let's do it now. Let's go to Mexico. Let's start looking for land. And also in 2020, we were going to be doing a permaculture design certification course in Costa Rica. COVID messed that up. So it ended up being a six-month online course, but we did get certified to basically you know, teach and do permaculture and learned a whole bunch and continue to learn these skills. And so the idea was, that let's come to Mexico. Let's start looking for land. So we've been living in Morelia now for the last two years. That's where we held the Greater Reset this year in January and where it'll be at again in January 23. And we've just been living here in a house while exploring different parts of Mexico. And like I said, I did go visit this property the other day. We've been looking at this property for almost the two years that we've been here, but we've been taking our time and developing a community. You know, there's so many people. You've seen that meme that goes around every now and then, man, I'm sure you've seen it. It's like the meme of like, tag all your friends who want to go live in the off-grid community out in the country or you know there's like <laughs> versions of this meme and yeah. it's clearly a popular idea that's within us people want to you know go out and live and live in the countryside like i think everybody can resonate you know a lot of people can resonate with it in different ways but there's a lot more than just like hey i'm going to go get land or let me just get all my best friends and let's go start a community because for one just because we might get along and listen to the same podcast or go to the same conferences or festivals or whatever things can bring people together in these varying movements, that doesn't necessarily mean you'd want to live with somebody or live on the same piece of land or even be their neighbor. Right. You know, there's a lot of, we might be united by bodily autonomy or self-ownership or even just the curiosity about all the crazy things in the world, but that doesn't mean that we necessarily have the same guiding values and, you know, version of what our community would look like. So, We've spent the last two years taking that time, myself and Miriam, initially in September 2020, I put the call out through my channels and was like, hey, I'm going to build a community in Mexico. This is the vision from my book. If you're interested, reach out. And we had about 400 people reach out. 
And then we put together like a questionnaire to help us get to know everybody better and kind of elaborate on the plan. And then we sent that out to all the people who initially responded. And we got about two, 300 responses. And we narrowed that, we put that all on a spreadsheet and basically went through all that info and like looked at what are the visions of the people here? Like, do they have a similar vision to us? Do they have skills to contribute and or financial resources? It wasn't necessarily like, hey, you have to have X amount of dollars. We didn't really approach it that way. It was like, do you get the vision mostly? Do you have, you know, some financial resources and or do you have, you know, skills or something to contribute that's really going to help the community? And we narrowed that down to 50 people. And so starting September 2020, we started having these biweekly online calls and they've kind of progressed. And just over the last two, almost two years now, it's naturally gone down to now five households that we are working on this project with. And so, I mean, we've learned so much and I'm going to be putting together in the future, like a course on like a webinar, some kind of thing about just sharing all the things I've learned. You know, some of the things is like, there's good books out there that talk about communities, but a lot of it is you just have to do it, you know, just like anything you have to make mistakes and experience. And I've seen people coming out to Mexico and making mistakes. People are running away from tyranny in Canada and Germany and elsewhere. And they come here and these people might be pretty well, you know, financially off and maybe they just emptied their bank account and they're coming here like in a hurry, in a panic, like I need to find a community. And unfortunately, you know, these tough times bring out scammers just like any other tough time. And so there's scammy people who've come to Mexico claiming that they're going to build a community and they're happy to take your money and that doesn't turn out well. And then there's other people who, as I mentioned, they maybe they met at the Greater Reset or they, they met at a Freedom Cell meetup. And so they just decide like, hey, let's get land together. And they don't even know each other for more than a week or a couple of months. And then, you know, inevitably things go wrong. And then they're having to deal with lawyers and all kinds of fun stuff. So we've learned so much and it's been a process. But the idea is essentially to bring together probably seven to eight households, which is essentially a Freedom Cell living together on the property, like creating a village. Everybody has their own acreage, their own home. You know, it's not going to be like a sort of co-living or anything like that, you know, because we're trying to balance in our community. We have these strong individuals who want their own space, their own privacy, but also want the benefits of community and being together. And that's an interesting mix sometimes, but our foundational principles are self-ownership, the non-aggression principle, using permaculture as the guide to how we grow our food, how we build our buildings, natural building, off-grid. And then the third foundational principle is mindfulness, which is broadly speaking, you know, people wanting to work with other people who are, it's not like, okay, everybody has to meditate every day. Everybody has to pray once a week or anything necessarily like that. It's just more like wanting to work with people who are not static individuals who think they're done growing and learning as people, you know, people who want to keep experimenting and trying to be the best versions of ourselves and just having that interest and cultivating that. And then there's some other kind of principles we've expanded on, but that's kind of the foundation of it. Self-ownership, non-aggression, principle, permaculture, and then those mindfulness kind of conscious solutions. And that is what I call the conscious agora. And yeah, we're, we're at the point now where we've got our group and we've got our money pulled together. We're actually just now starting to kind of softly, quietly seek some investors to help us close the deal on this beautiful property that we've found that's got banana trees and avocado trees yeah. and guayaba and apple and lime and wild raspberry and just i mean it's amazing and yeah and, and the cool thing to see is that we're one of probably eight to 12 or more that i know of at the moment projects that are either already started or are at the beginning stages that have popped up in mexico just in the last two years and, and some of these are like foreigners expats who came from elsewhere and came here but also we've got to meet a lot of mexicans who are increasingly 
paying attention to these things and who have land and are trying to build community or doing permaculture, doing off-grid living. There's something special happening in Mexico right now. And, you know, what we're trying to do, is, I hope will eventually be a, like the Conscious Agora. I kind of envision that as being like a network in the long term, you know, a network of communities that will be different in the specific details and, you know, what they look like and maybe where they're at located. But you could still know all these communities are united by these basic principles, self-ownership, et cetera, you know, and it's just kind of this common bond that can bring people together and, and can create, be a part of a larger network of communities that is just popping up right now. And I really think that, you know, this is something I wrote about in my book, How to Opt Out of the Technocratic State, the, what we call the exit and build strategy. And I really think this is what's most important for people right now, that the cities are not going to be safe. You know, I'm a city boy. I grew up in the city. I love the city. Even Morelia is like 600,000 people. That's really big for a lot of people. For me, it's small because Houston's 4 million. You know, mm-hmm. I get like the attraction on one hand of the city and all the benefits, but I also know that it's not safe long term. And I think that people need to be thinking more of those terms, whether you're going to come to Mexico or do it wherever you're at. The point is, you know, think about can you really continue to provide and sustain the lifestyle you might want by staying in the city or maybe even the suburbs? I don't know if they're going to be safe positions long term. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And it sounds like such a beautiful vision. I know there are many people out there who want someone else to build it so that they can just integrate into it. I guess it's the way our minds work. Maybe when people see the template, more people will feel comfortable taking the plunge and just using that template. I watch a lot of homestead YouTube channels and just daydream about the lifestyle But yeah, if you just commit to it, then you can slowly make yourself more comfortable by refining it over time. So many of these channels I watch, you go to the beginning and they're like, I just bought the land in this shack and I'm just going to figure it out. And then later on down the road, it's like, oh, I, I made this better and I tweaked this and now we have hot water, all these things like you really can just tweak it as you go, especially if this is what you have to do. Uh, If you've gotten out of the rat race and now you're just committed to an off the grid, sustainable lifestyle, you have more time to tinker and tweak things. And it's a process. And there's so many YouTube channels and courses out there to get good ideas from. It's easier than it's ever been. Maybe not ever. Our grandparents and great grandparents, it was just the way of life. But we suckled on that industrial teat and we lost this stuff through our education system and we're trying to get it back and there are things you can look at for educational materials and a helping hand and i heard you say that you were planning on putting out a digital map of the places that expats can go or the places where sustainable communities are being developed how's that going could you mention a few of these places in mexico or even central america that people should consider if they want to exit and build and just don't even know where to look. Maybe we can help them jumpstart at least the research part of the process. Yeah, man, there's so many that have been popping up, as I was mentioning a moment ago. I'm actually, so as far as the map goes, I've actually probably will be done with that as soon as, you know, this week that we're recording this conversation. And if it's done by the time you release this, I'll definitely send you the link. The idea with that is I'm using open source mapping software which is you know available to everybody. And we're just creating a digital kind of living map that people can go to this. It's just going to be called Mexico Freedom Communities. And so you can go there and you'll see you know a little dot on the map and you can click it and it'll give you some details about, basically we're just taking their description of the community and then a link to it and then showing you the general location. Because you know one thing about this as well is a lot of people are also 
pretty, you know, trying, it's like trying to grow movements while also people being very concerned about privacy and not just giving away locations on the internet in the same sense that like we don't publicize where the land is we're trying to build this on. And maybe in the future that will change because we do plan to host, as a lot of these communities do, plan to host like permaculture workshops. Like I want our land specifically to be an educational center that not just where we have our little residential village, but where we can host people, we can bring people there to learn natural building, to learn you know, meditation and spiritual techniques to come learn from the wide network of people that I've got to be affiliated with. And so I'm excited to where that's going to go. But the map will basically take all the communities that we've got to meet, because I don't think I mentioned this, but in 2021, I did a tour of the US, the activation tour inspired by the Greater Reset activation. And then we did a 17 city Mexico tour just back in March and April. And so we got to meet so many people across the country. And as I said, a lot of freedom cells popping up and organizing in different communities, people buying land. And there's a lot of really exciting projects. Some of them are still at the point where it's an idea, you know, people have found land that they would like to build on, and they're trying to find the right people. You know, others have already got the land, they've already owned it, they're in the process of building, they're looking for people to sign on and move in as soon as possible and start building. Like some communities are really at that point. And I could say from just off the top of my head, the ones that are coming to mind, you know, there's at least two that we know in the Yucatan, which like Playa del Carmen, Tulum area, not in there, but out a little bit outside of those cities in the Yucatan. And on the other side of the Yucatan in Merida, there's a community out there that we know of. So that's kind of like more jungle, tropical, definitely more warm out there. And then there's some not far from where we're at, where I live out here in the mountains, there's a couple other communities out here. So again, totally different climate. I mean, that's what I love about Mexico is you don't really have the four seasons like you might expect in the US and elsewhere. You kind of have dry and rainy, but there also are all these subclimates and you know, you got tropical and subtropical and then forests and then beach and coast and mountain. And there there really is so much beauty to it. And then yeah, there's some other communities that we know of that are on the other coast headed towards Baja, California, and kind of on that coast, Puerto Vallarta area. And then I'm sure once we put this out there, that we'll probably get more communities and people who reach out to us and say, hey, I heard you're doing this. And I mean, I literally just learned about two new communities in the last couple of days. So what I'm trying to do is at least get to know the people in the communities a little bit, talk to them, because, you know, Things like this already exist. You know, for example, you could go to ic.org, and that's Intentional Communities website, and you could search Mexico or Central America, and you'll find lists of communities, right? But one of the things that we saw in the last two years is that even in the intentional community, conscious community space, permaculture space, et cetera, those communities were totally divided by COVID. You had some communities that had been together for 20 years, and all of a sudden, some people say, we need to require masks, and some people say no. Some people say we need to require vaccines and some people say no. I mean, it was a very divisive time and continues to be for a lot of communities. So what we're trying to do with this specific map, as well as we're adding a similar feature to the Freedom Cells website that I can tell you about in a little bit, where people can list their intentional communities there as well. This is going to be communities that are more freedom minded is the best way I can describe it. I would expect that the communities on the list that we're putting that we're going to list are definitely communities that don't require vaccines, aren't looking to have people vaccinated as a stipulation of being involved or wearing masks or those kinds of things, right? Like, so that's, I think, the benefit of this map is it's not just going to be like, oh, a list of intentional communities. It's going to be people that are generally more, you know, for lack of a better term, awake. 
Does that mean you'll agree with them on every single topic? No, but that's anywhere you live, anywhere you move to. So the idea is that we're going to put the information out there. We're going to highlight some of the active freedom cells that are here in Mexico that are really doing some good work. You know, so they might not have land, but they're an active city that you could move to and get really plugged in with other like-minded people. And yeah, that map hopefully will be coming out soon this week at the latest. And then as far as beyond Mexico, it's interesting you ask about that because I actually literally in the last couple of days have received an email from a woman who is really interested in freedom cells and she lives in Belize. And that's another area that a lot of people, Nicaragua, Belize, that people have considered. And she's basically said, hey, I have land out here. I'm working with people doing permaculture, you know, just promoted all these wonderful things. And she said, she's just trying to, you know, is anybody doing freedom cells out here? Or can I, you know, work with some people? Or do you want to help share this? So she's looking to get the word out there. I don't have the info in front of me, but maybe we can include that in the show notes or something because she's already got a website set up. And from what I read and what she said, was she was saying she can get people who are interested in Belize ready to purchase an acre and owning an a- owning some acreage for as little as 100 USD a month, um, you know, things like that. So that's not financial advice or, right, you know, right. vouching for the community per se. But my point is that there's a lot of people reaching out right now. There's a lot of, you know, if if you are looking to exit and build right now, the information, the opportunities are there. I mean, you just got to kind of step up and look for it. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible. Like you said earlier, I mean, the idea of doing the Conscious Agora network, I do want it to be a model that people could easily replicate because I'm like a builder. I like to create and design and, and build things from the bottom up. Other people, you mentioned like, you know, some people just want to move into the community once all the work's been done. And there's nothing wrong or right about either approach. That's just different personalities. Some people just want to, okay, here's my money. Where's my lot? Let me build my house and all good. Whereas we wanted to find the land and find the right people and then co-create something. Like we get to decide what is our decision-making process? How are we going to handle conflict resolution? How are we going to, you know, we're, we get to be the designers of that. And that's exciting to me. But for other people, they might not have the patience, the time or the energy to do that. And they just want to come in and do their thing. And so we're trying to make these processes as easy as possible, but also it does take some personal responsibility, some effort, and some energy on the side of people who are curious about this. And if you are, there's an immense opportunity right now to get ahead of the game as much as possible. And, you know, we're doing all of this, of course, with the awareness of all the crazy stuff going on in the world. But again, my advice is to not let that put you into a panic and make mistakes. You know, you got to still like, try to stay level-headed and clear-minded, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Man, you are just such an inspiration and you make me feel like I should be doing so much more because I've cultivated this six-figure audience over 10 years. And I guess a lot of people just want to listen to the show and get on with their day. They don't need me to organize anything for them, but it just makes me feel like we're of a like mind. And of course, COVID divided this audience too. How could it not? But I think the beautiful thing about it is those who stuck around, those who have communities that made it through that, they're armored up for the next time. You know, they've chosen body autonomy, you know, bodily autonomy, and they're not given in. And so now, you know, now you know who those people are, and it's not a hypothetical anymore. I mean, I heard your great presentation at the Exit and Build 2 conference, and it was inspiring when you were talking about how all these strange communities Crypto weirdos, conspiracy folks, homesteaders, homeschoolers, they've all been united by the concept of freedom and bodily autonomy. 
And at a time when a lot of my guests have been making it seem like we're all fucked and the world is ending, there's just a lot of inspiration in those people choosing that and the relationships they're forming in spite of all the dark plans of the Davos crowd. And uh, it's just a beautiful thing. Even that resource, ic.org, I didn't know about that. Now I'm definitely going to spend a couple hours digging into that. And sometimes just the right website or the right reference can open up a lot of doors for people. And so I guess I would ask you about that. Outside of full-on communities, let's talk about some other solutions that are out there. Can you talk to us about some other things you're seeing and supporting? I mean, there's a lot happening around food decentralization and food sovereignty, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely, man. That's a great place to go to with the conversation. So there's two things I'll mention. Uh, of course, Freedom Cells. I'll talk about that in a moment because we're actually getting ready to launch the next version of our website. And it's going to be, we just got some great features that are, I think, going to be really helpful for people. But I actually just got plugged into this, I don't know if you'd call it a movement, but it's an initiative that is being spearheaded by Henna Maria, this woman that I met in the last year. She lives in Spain and she does a lot of really good work in different areas, but she contacted me and has reached out to different groups. And I'm sure she'd love, you know, your your involvement, which is, you know, basically just saying, hey, I think this is an important topic. Yeah. And she her like drive was like, look, we're, as you mentioned, like people see all the crazy problems. Like we all are very aware of the danger to the food supply and things happening and inflation, food prices. I mean, we're living it, right? It's in our faces. So her kind of motive was like, why don't we bring together all these really powerful people and people with different audiences and essentially just say, you know, whatever your diet is, it's not about promoting one diet over the other or anything, but whatever your diet is, we all need food and we all need healthy, organic, nutrient rich nutrient-dense food. And clearly that's not what they're offering at the big box stores and the future of food that these psychopaths have planned for us is not that either. And so she launched this website just four days ago, actually, just a few days ago on July 22nd, saveourfood.net. And, you know, it's just kind of a campaign calling for people to like, hey, if you're going out there and shopping at the local farmer's market, like take a picture, use this hashtag saveourfood and send people to the website. If you're doing podcasts or having conversations or just talking to family and friends, try to start conversations about the importance of food sovereignty and maybe even food storage and you know, localizing food supply. Just trying to have that conversation and again, recognize that like clearly there's some scary things going on. But once again, we also have so many things we can do for ourselves. And it's just about being more proactive than I think reactive. And sometimes even if we're not reactive, like what I mean by that is, you know, the whatever the predator class goes out and does something and we oh let's go talk about that on the internet let's go protest that or you know we're reacting to what they're doing we're letting them drive us around but maybe that's not you per se but sometimes people just slip into apathy where they're just like yeah yeah of course they're doing that yeah there's another bad thing you know and there's just sort of become numb to it and i think that being numb to it and or being reactive to it aren't really great states because you know you don't want to just accept what's happening, but you also don't want to just be passive about it and just kind of become, yeah, numb to the point that you're just, if you're familiar with the term, your audience is probably familiar with it, black-pilled, you know, where you really think yes. that everything's just screwed. And I think there's a lot of that going on. And there has been for, since either, before either of us have been around, that's, you know, people have been doomsday, doomsayers and stuff like that. But I think it's become even more prevalent in recent years, just because, you know, a lot of people have woken up, a lot of crazy nefarious things have come to light. And yet still a lot of people feel 
even hopeless. Like, you know, well, we have these big movements, but maybe nobody's paying attention. So, you know, I think some people can get to that point and thinking there's no solutions, but there are solutions and saveourfood.net is at least part of it. Now, is sharing that hashtag going to save the world? Obviously not. There's still more that needs to take place. But if learning of the website and the hashtag inspires you to say, you know what, there is that farmer's market this weekend. I keep hearing about it. I've never actually gone. Why don't I go take a trip? And then you go there, you check out the local produce, and maybe you get connected with somebody who's selling eggs or selling you know, some product that really you can use, whether food or otherwise. That becomes a new relationship that you have. That's part of defeating the Great Reset, right? Like you have to localize your food supply so that they can't try to say all you can have is bugs or Bill Gates burgers or whatever, right? But if you have no connection to the local food supply and you don't have any backyard garden or community garden or urban farm or any of that connection and you don't have a relationship with the farmers, then, I mean, what are you doing? You're just waiting for them to come take away your food and you're just accepting that you will own nothing and be happy. But for the rest of us who are just saying, no, we're not going to accept this. We're going to create our own 2030, our own vision of what 2030 could look like. We're going to take proactive steps. And one of the things I think that this Save Our Food thing is valuable for, and even just that idea of using hashtags and documenting like, hey, we're here at the garden, save our food, or I went to the farmer's market, save our food. It seems so silly and just maybe even like, oh, this is useless. Like I could do so much more. You can do more, but still what that does, I think it helps people realize that there are options out there, right? I feel like so many people on the internet have forgotten the idea of sharing things. I noticed this with podcasts and articles and videos, like people will consume it, but then maybe not pass it along to others. And I feel like in the past, the internet used to very much be about like sharing. That's what social media was about. And to me, the importance of sharing is to say, hey, this is important to me. This is something that I like or that I'm interested in or that I'm concerned about. This is something that I, you, my friends, whoever you are on social media or whatever, that I think you might be interested in, right? And in that same way, if you think it's important to talk about the food supply and food sovereignty and growing your own food and localizing food production and you know, getting away from the mass factory farming and all that stuff, well, using a hashtag or taking pictures and documenting that, it helps show your friends and family that it's important to you. And I know that's like so obvious and it seems simple, but I just feel like sometimes we forget about that, that yeah, it doesn't feel like the biggest acts you could ever do, but it will generate conversation. It will at the least generate other people being like, wow, oh, wow, I didn't know Greg was into community gardening. Maybe I should go check that out or I'm going to message him and find out more about, you know, all, like you said earlier, all those, like a website can just completely alter your path, right? And in the same way, you sharing something about food sovereignty or saving your food or whatever it may be, it can really spark something in someone else. And then it just keeps growing. Mm -hmm. Well said, I guess maybe my role is just highlighting the people doing great stuff like yourself, but it makes me feel quite lazy. But hey, this is uh, what I've cultivated over time. And I think you're right. That is the bare minimum, getting your food locally. I hope my listeners by now can say that they're growing where they can and at least getting their produce and protein from local sources direct. I had my local rancher on as a guest, and I think we've had three different ranchers across the country that do organic, grass-fed, sustainable meat subscription boxes shipped right to your home, Sunrise Ranch on the West Coast. Mastodon Farms in the Midwest, and Polyface Farms on the East Coast. So wherever you live in the country, one of these guys has probably got you covered on their coverage map. But I also would advise people, this is just something I thought of the other day, but write down the addresses of these farms. If we do have an internet outage, if they do a cyber pandemic, do you know where to go 
if you don't have these things shipped to your house. I think that's kind of important. Uh, you know, I stored these addresses where I keep my birth certificate and that kind of stuff because you only have a couple days before you're going to need to know that information if the grocery store can't supply you. And even if it can, this is the better way. This is the future way. You want to keep these farms in business. It's important. And yeah. uh, Hannah Maria is exactly who I hoped you would mention. Saveourfood.net. Really great interview you did with her. I think it might have been, been in that interview you mentioned or she mentions lemongraft.com, yeah, yeah. which is a website trying to connect neighbors directly to talk about what they're growing and how you can purchase or trade right in your neighborhoods. I went to the website. It needs some work. I think the database only has Florida in it. I didn't see anything in Southern California. But once that resource is out there, people can start using it. I know a lot of my neighbors grow stuff. I see it in their little patches and their raised beds. I don't know what they're growing and I don't really know them. But, you know, a website like this can help facilitate those connections. I think she also mentioned Ecotopia, a company selling hydroponic grow towers that can go in any apartment and get four times the yield as conventional gardens. So there's a company trying to help you help yourself. You just got to support them while they're still around. And yeah, just so many great resources and things happening there is also a book I just learned about. I'm going to try to get this guy on in the future, but Tristan Scott wrote a book called Bitcoin and Beef, which I thought would be good to mention to you. Interesting. But it's Criticisms, Similarities, and Why Decentralization Matters. So him and this guy, Texas Slim, you can find him on uh, Twitter, but they are going out there speaking to ranchers and trying to convert them to direct-to-consumer and offering them tools like crypto payments, you know, Bitcoin payments. And that is what Bitcoin is good for right there. You know, if we get to a point where your finances are monitored uh, and you're working off a central bank digital currency that can only be used on the corporate food, well, these guys need a system. And Bitcoin's a little early. My God, if my whole show is based on just taking Bitcoin payments, I'd probably be broke because it's so <laughs> early still. Yeah, And same goes for these ranchers, but it is an option. And if you get cut out of the traditional system because you said something bad on Twitter, well, you have to have a little Bitcoin on hand to get your food supply from these ranchers who are willing to accept it. So we are in the infancy of a lot of this stuff. It's a beautiful thing. I really love talking about these solutions, giving people those websites that it's just like, man, this could change your whole world because you listened to a two-hour show, but you heard the right website address. Absolutely. And I'm sure there's even more. I don't know if any more come to mind for you. I can name a couple of things that you just, you, you reminded me about. Sure. You know, I just want to reemphasize what you were just saying. They're just how important it is to support these things. Because as you said, like you might visit, you hear about a great idea and you go visit and you're like, oh, wow, like there's nobody here yet. Or like you said, it's only in one state or maybe it's just, it's not quite there yet, right? And that's something we come across a lot, or I've come across with some of the, the new, quote unquote, alternative social media that in the beginning, you're like, okay, they don't have all the features of YouTube or whatever else. But if you support them and because you get it on principle, you're kind of willing to deal with whatever bumps and bruises you got to deal with along the way because you support the product. I think it's the same thing with a lot of these new initiatives that, you know, we're essentially what we're talking about, to me, at least all these different pieces of the puzzle are about building a parallel society, building parallel networks to the current system, because 
if we can't completely stop the Great Reset, and I don't know that we can, there's trillions of dollars invested into it, every multinational corporation and almost every major government pushing towards that agenda. To me, you know, that's the idea of exiting from that system to build something better, right? And part of that is getting our food supply into our hands and all these interesting conversations. Well, it also involves new websites, new apps, new technology, you know, and we are very much at the beginning of a lot of it, like you were saying with Bitcoin and with crypto in general. And so I think that's important to remember is that sometimes it takes time for these tools. We might not feel like we have all the time. So I think we're all working as hard and diligently as possible. I'm not the tech guy that can build the things. I just kind of go out there and promote them when I learn about them. But I am friends with some of the people who have the technology and who are just working on amazing tools. So as far as solutions, when it comes to food, I will mention another one that is called Falling Fruit. And I think it's fallingfruit.org or .com. I haven't checked it in a couple of years. It should still exist because it's a pretty bare bones, basic minimum website. It also uses sort of mapping technology, open source mapping technology, where similar to different maps people have probably used, like Waze or something like that, where you can mark, hey, police checkpoint or red light or traffic or car wreck or whatever you want to do on the map. With this, let's say you're walking down the street and you notice on public property, there's you know a couple of orange trees just out there at the park or just out there in some random field or something like that. You can go on to falling fruit and you can mark it so that other people who are foragers or just out there, you know, want food that is widely available can find that and can have access to it. So it's really cool. I mean, I've used this when I was traveling different places. I remember I was in San Francisco and I was doing a speaking tour across the US and my idea was like, let's try to use this map while we travel to show people that it can work. And we were literally in San Francisco, like in the city and using that website, we found an avocado tree growing like in the middle of the city where you would never expect it kind of hidden behind some restaurant. And we were able to go pick avocados. It was crazy. But so I think that's a cool resource that people can use. And even if you're the kind of person that maybe has an abundance of fruit trees on your property or your house that you can't tend to, you could put something on there if it's free for the picking or if you want to charge people. When I was living in Houston and I was living in the Freethinker house, our community space, we would do that. We would go ride bikes around the neighborhood. Me and a couple of guys that were living there, we would go ride around and check out the different people in the neighborhood who had fruit trees or look for fruit trees on public property. And sometimes, you know, you just go to people, you can see their trees are like overflowing with fruit. They're clearly not doing anything with them. They're just dropping to the ground and people will let you go pick their trees for free. Maybe that's like too outgoing for some people, but think about that. Like we were able to go find a bunch of mandarins and oranges from somebody's tree that weren't going to be able to use them. We took them home to our house. We juiced them, bottled them up in some glasses, and then used, at the time, we used the Nextdoor website. Now I would use something like Freedom Cells. And we sold those juices to like local offices that were like in downtown. So this is like fruit going to potentially waste, picked off a tree, taken home, juiced. It cost us a bottle and the time. And then, you know, we make a few bucks. Now, is that going to pay your rent? Maybe not in the beginning, but those are the kind of, I think, innovative ideas that are out there if you're willing and ready to kind of think on those terms. So Falling Fruit is a great resource. And then I'll mention the Freedom Cells website again. We are going to launch, the website is up right now at freedomcells.org. It's been there for two years now, but it's closed to signups at the moment. It'll be relaunched on August 1st. So just very soon here. And I'm just so excited to share this with people because the original intention in the current version of the website is the maps. You know, people can create a free profile and here's my interests, here's my goals, here's my skills. And then you put where you live and then you can search for 
people or cells slash groups in your area, you can join the groups, connect with them, go to their physical meetings. But the whole purpose is using the website to meet people and then, you know, actually connect in person so that you can, for example, grow your own food or come together and, you know, think about, hey, how is our community going to handle if things get tough? Or how do we come together as a community and just see how you can support each other? with everything we have going on, or maybe even find other people who are looking to get land at that stage. So that's already been what we've been doing and that has functioned, but the website needed some improvements. And thanks to the Greater Reset audience back in January, we were able to raise $15,000 and we've used that to just totally streamline everything. And we've also added new features, including a marketplace. So now when the website relaunches, people can submit goods. Obviously, we can't without inviting any trouble, have anything illegal on there, but people can come on there and offer their services, their goods. If they're growing food, they could list things like that, whatever things that they can offer within the community. And it can be like online services that go out to the whole network, or you can localize it so that people in your area, when they go to the map, they can search to find people, they can search to find groups, or they can also search to see what services are listed in their area. That's one new feature that we're adding. In addition to that, with the marketplace, we're also letting, you know, one of those listings that you can do is a dating ad. You know, this is a huge request we've got from so many people, you know, for those people who were not in relationships prior to COVID, or maybe people who even relationship ended over COVID. It's very important in the freedom community, I've come to find out where there's a lot of people who don't want to date or potentially, you know, have children with somebody who may have been vaccinated or may not have been vaccinated, depending on your view. Um, And we want to be able to have that as well. So, So you could list services, like you have food for sale, you're a graphic designer, or you could say, hey, I'm a man seeking a woman and these are my interests and these are that. And, you know, this is like, it sounds kind of silly, but this is actually one of the been the most requested things we've had from our growing online community. The website is 32,000 people. And then through the Greater Reset, we're reaching hundreds of thousands of people around the world. And there are a lot of people not only looking for communities, but looking for people that they can partner with and, you know, maybe start a family or spend you know, somebody to enjoy the apocalypse with at least. So we've added that feature as well. So there's the marketplace, the Agora is what we're calling it. And we've also improved our search. So now when you go on there, you can search specific, let's say you live in Southern California, you want to search to find people in that general area and you can choose, okay, let me search 25 miles around San Diego, just an example. Let's just see what's around there, what people show up, what groups show up. But then you can also, now we have, specific options where you can search only show me people who say they're ready to meet in person or only show me people who are interested in buying land. And then it'll show you those people who have clicked those options on their profile. So we're trying to just make it as intuitive and easy as possible to eliminate any time wasting because, you know, there's just a lot of things we learned. People go on there and they, they search and they're trying to find people in their local area they meet people, but then some people, maybe they're only ready to have an online conversation or join an online group. They're not quite ready for whatever reason to meet in person. And even though that's the goal of Freedom Cells, we still want to make sure that people are finding the right people for them for wherever they're at, whether that means people who want to buy land, people who are selling food, people who are just trying to do activism in the community and the city, or people who are still very early in this journey. And so, yeah, the Freedom Cells website, freedomcells.org is going to be another great resource for people that I think will just take things to the next level and allowing new connections to happen. Because even with our previous version of the website, which was definitely, I'll admit, not running to its fullest capacity and had some kinks and things that needed to be ironed out. Even with that, so many people that I met while traveling the US and traveling Mexico told us that 
when COVID started, they felt alone. They felt desperate. They felt depressed. You know, they were isolated. They were locked down. The family members were thinking they were crazy because they were asking the wrong questions. And then they said, I went on the Freedom Cells Network website, or I watched The Greater Reset, and I went to a local watch party, and I met all these people in my community, and now we're growing food together. Now we're homeschooling our kids. We pulled our money out of the banks. We're buying land. Like People are doing real concrete things right now. And, and I, again, my invitation to the audience that's going to hear this is just, you know, don't miss out. You know, I'm not saying the Freedom Cell Movement is the only movement or the things we're doing are the only solutions or anything of that. I'm just saying whatever you're gravitating towards, whatever you feel like is a practical, real-world solution for you and your family, don't wait. You know, and if you got some extra money, you know, there's things like investing in crypto can be valuable, investing in precious metal, those kinds of things. But I think what's key at this moment is invest in yourself. If you've got money that's just literally sitting in the bank and slowly losing value because of inflation, and they could potentially take it away from you because you support the wrong causes or because you listen to the wrong podcasts, take it out of there. Go look up some courses that you need to learn. You know, if you're like, okay, I, one day I do want to buy land, but I really don't know anything about growing food. Well, go get involved in the local community garden or you know, find some local agriculture or a farmer that you can work with or partner or volunteer with or take an online course. I mean, that's much more valuable way to use the money that you have available to you is to invest in yourself, to give yourself the skills and the tools and the, the information that you're going to need to thrive into the coming years. And, you know, and that's, I think, is what's most important right now is we need to be taking all these different tools and different ideas and seeing what works for us and seeing how we can empower ourselves. Yeah, man. Oh, really great additions coming with the Freedom Cells upgrade. I got similar feedback. People were feeling isolated, feeling like the odd man out among family and friends. And I made the higher side meetups calendar. It's just a totally free thing where you could go on and say, hey, I want to find other higher side chats listeners around me. Let's all go to this brewery or something. Very cool. And then, you know, I, I just end every show reading the meetups and it's just probably not the best system. Freedom Cells is much better, but it's what I can do with my people and just trying to get them out there and even trying to coordinate groups with uh, other shows like we're all talking about similar things. We're all on the same page. It doesn't matter which show you like best if you're looking for people locally who agree with you on these things, because it has been a really isolating few years for some people. And it's funny you mentioned the dating thing. I do have a singles forum thread. It doesn't get used a whole lot. And a forum thread isn't even the best way to do such a thing, but it's in the mindset of trying to get people connected. I've thought about adding fields to profiles that, so that people who are subscribers can just list their independent businesses. So any member could just scroll the database of businesses and like, hey, I'm in the market for this or that. Let me see if there's a higher side chats listener who does this, who makes a good product that could, you know, support that instead of me going to the mall or something. And yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, those uh, are, I was just gonna say that those are all great starts, man. I mean, you definitely like, you've got such a, a big audience that even giving them those options, I think is magnificent because people are looking to connect right now. I mean, I think that so much of what is happening in our world is because people, in, in a lot of different ways, people feel disconnected, people feel alone. And so, yeah, I've realized that more and more, man. And people of all ages, you know, we got people of, there are older folks that I've come across in the movement who are getting to the point where they want someone to spend the last 20, whatever years of their life, 30 years of their life, and they're not feeling too optimistic about it because of, oh, now I can't, you know, the vaccines are dividing people or this and that. There's also a lot of young people who 
lost relationships and stuff and the lockdowns didn't help anybody. It's a tough time for a lot of people, as we were saying from the beginning. And any way we can bring people together, whether through your website or Freedom Cells, like I said, the more the merrier. We need as many options for people to connect and do it on a local level because I think that's where we really have strength. You know, we can connect digitally and share ideas, but ultimately what I do in Mexico and my community doesn't necessarily benefit you in Southern California or someone listening in Chicago or wherever else, right? So we need that same we need people to be wherever you're going to be holding down the fort, as I call it, if you're committed to like, for example, with you, if you're committed to Southern California, or if someone's committed to Texas, whatever your move is, if you're moving somewhere else, or if you're staying where you're at, if you're committed to that place, you need to build there. That's just what I feel like is so important. And finding people locally who, you know, because a lot of it also is just social, you know, so much of what I saw too is that even if people weren't doing these big changes in their lives, that freedom cells at the least gave them a place where a couple hours a week or however often they met, they felt like they weren't crazy. And that's a huge thing right now. That's just so important. I mean, again, it's so simple, but helping other people realize like, holy crap, I'm not alone. I mean, that, I've seen it happen so many times. And I saw it on tour where people who might not be plugged in locally, they don't know the local freedom cells or the different groups. They just heard about an event or, you know, somebody told them to come or they just know about my work, but they're not locally plugged in. And in the moment that happens, it's like this whole world opens up to them. And now they have a new group of friends that often become like family and maybe even closer than their real family, especially if they were being judged or attacked by their family. And then they get plugged into events and they get plugged into like action solutions. And that can truly change your life from just feeling pretty down and pretty just really negative and pessimistic about the future to feeling like, okay, I actually have some solutions. I actually do have tools that I can do. All is not lost, you know, and that's so valuable. It is. It is. And man, I can't believe we've had enough solution oriented things to fill the whole first hour here. I thought we were going to have to go dark, but another little thing I wanted to throw in is digital technology. It's obviously important too. And I've considered getting rid of my phone over the EMF concerns, especially with a young baby around but then I'd be chained to my computer twice as much as I am now because of what I do for work. But at least in terms of playing ball with the surveillance machine and all the data collection, we do have other options like jailbreaking our phones and installing the graphene OS or this other thing that I've seen you post about called the above phone. Do you know enough about that to speak to it a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I do. And I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to mention that I almost forgot. But yeah, definitely. So first thing I'll say is that basically the guy who built the website for the Greater Reset and the Freedom Cell Network website that I was just describing, his name is Ramiro Romani. He's originally from Houston as well. I know him just from back in Houston. And we've been working together now for about two years. Again, he's one of the tech people I mentioned who do know how to do all the tech things that I don't know how to do, but I can help share. And so he's been involved in not only helping us improve our tech side of things, but he has his own project website called Take Back Our Tech, takebackourtech.org. And again, this is an amazing resource for people who are really trying to figure out, like, like you said, like we need to use digital tools. I'm sitting here in front of two computers and, you know, and technology all around me, but I want to learn how to use those tools as best as possible. And so Take Back Our Tech offers a lot of really helpful both blogging guides and video guides where Ramiro will take you through different things. Like for example, how to change your computer to get off of Microsoft or Apple or Google and get on Linux and, you know, finding a Linux operating system that works for you. 
that's what I'm using. I'm using Linux right now. He's helped me convert all of my stuff over the last year. It's something I've known about for years, but I just didn't take the initiative and didn't have the opportunity. And so there's things like that, as well as on Take Back Our Tech, he promotes some lesser known encrypted messaging platforms like XMPP and just a lot of good, really, database for all kinds of decentralized and kind of open source tech knowledge. And a big part of that is, as you mentioned, the phones. I mean, the phones are clearly one of the most, just the least privacy-based thing that many activists do, that many of us who know about it, right? Like I don't use a phone, but I'm also, you know, here at home on the computer all the time, like you said, and I don't have a child, so I don't have to worry about it as much as you do in the same sense. But I know the pain of what you're saying because I often end up just carrying my computer around with me everywhere I go. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, what's the difference, right? But if you're going to use a phone and, you know, some people will go the dumb phone option and go buy an old one, that's an option. You know, I've done that in the past too. But if you want a smartphone or you need it for work or there's just some benefit, well, as you said, there are options of de-Googling your phone, jailbreaking them and putting in better operating systems, including graphing, as you mentioned. And so that information is out there. If you've got the drive and the time and the energy, you can go look it up on YouTube and watch some videos and read some blogs. But if you don't have that knowledge or the patience or just want something that's a little more streamlined, what Ramiro offers is the above phone and the website's just abovephone.com. I can probably send you a direct link. And I think if you order it through me, there might be like a slight discount or something for the audience. So if anybody wants that, but the phone is just, he has a few versions now, but they have Google phones, you know, Google pixels that have been stripped of all the Google stuff, you know, so de-Googled and all the spyware removed. And then there's a couple of options. You can just buy the phone, like, hey, here's your Google Pixel. And what they include with it is a host of different tools. So all the stuff you're used to, like email, messaging, video platforms, calendar, calculator, all that stuff. But it's non-Microsoft, non-Google versions of these. So instead of Google Maps on there, you have organic maps. There's like three different mapping options. And so a lot of it is just, it's just like a new learning curve. A lot of them, the tools look exactly the same, the ones you're used to, but they're not sending back data to the companies every two seconds, like all the other tools that we're used to, right? So some of them, like the maps don't look exactly like what you're used to when you're used to looking at Google Maps. But this is also for me, I realized just over the past year, how big of a weakness this is to many of us, 99% of the world probably, because even something as simple as trying a new digital map is hard to adjust to because we're so used to what Google Maps looks like. And yeah, there is a slight learning curve, but the, the maps work great. And what I love about it, like with organic maps, when Miriam and I were traveling around the US and Mexico for our tour, what you can do is you can use it just like you normally would, like you're connected to the internet and you know you use it like a map. Sometimes it might not find the locations you're looking for and you have to kind of manually put it in the location, but it still works great. And then you can you're like building the map. So maybe you add the location to your church or your workplace or whatever, and then now it has it saved there and then you can get there easier. But the other thing is you can download all the maps. So let's say the power goes out or you lose internet service. Those maps are downloaded to your phone now. So you can still use them just like you would anything else, as long as you know where you need to go. And of course, it's going to be using your GPS while you're using the maps. That's the kind of the give and take with those tools. But that's really cool because it's as close to a digital paper map as you can get, right? It's like downloaded to your phone. So as we were traveling the US, we would download, okay, that we need the Texas map. Okay, we need the California map. Okay, we need this. And then eventually, you know, we had the whole US. That's like how we chose to do it so that we could just practice with it. Yeah, and so many other tools. So you can just buy the phone from above phone just like that. Hey, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to get my own service, my own SIM card. 
but they also have other kind of packages where you can buy what they call the above suite, which is like their own servers, which are hosted, I believe, in Iceland. And you can get email through them and XMPP encrypted messaging and your own Jitsi hosting service. Jitsi is like an alternative to Zoom. So they have different levels that you can go about and they're very much available to help walk people through these things. And and it's really cool because it's been growing pretty rapidly through our network. A lot of people getting the above phone or at least just if you don't want to get the above phone, just seek some alternative, right? That's the whole point. But it's been cool to see it growing to the point that now we have distribution out here in Mexico as well. So like I'm one of the official, unofficial distributors of the phone out here in Morelia where I live. So yeah, it's growing and it's a tool. You know, if you're going to be using a smartphone, why spend however much people pay for phones on the latest whatever that's just going to spy on you when you could at least spend some money and invest in a phone that is going to start you off on a better foot. Now, of course, if you download, the, you buy the phone and you go download Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff and give them access to your phone, you do kind of defeat the purpose of it. Um, so there's different levels of privacy you can have with it. You could be like a super secure privacy anonymous person using this phone. You could also still just do the things you're used to, but instead of sending YouTube all your data, you're going to use the new pipe app which allows you to watch videos on YouTube, but it's not sending them any of your information. So, I mean, it's an alternative for a lot of things you're already used to. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend takebackourtech.org and abovephone.com. Another great possibility for people to engage in, and it's another area we shouldn't neglect. It's not just about food and communities, but tech. And as you said, a lot of activists talk a strong game with an iPhone or a Google Pixel in their pocket. It's one of the places we tend to compromise. But again, there are no perfect people. We're all just trying to reclaim aspects of our freedom, our security, and our privacy. We're doing the best we can. Exactly. And before we go, obviously, theconsciousresistance.com is your central hub. But anything else you're working on that we should throw out there? You know, these conferences and live events... I always find them after they've happened. Do you have any events on the books for the rest of the year? Well, not for this year, but early 2023. So I'll mention it now. The Greater Reset 4, we're coming back. The website is thegreaterreset.org. We're calling the fourth one co-creation. And for those who aren't familiar, I mean, it's pretty much taken the first half of the show and all the solutions we were talking about and throwing them into an event. Five days, we meet the same week that the World Economic Forum meets in Davos. So the same way they get together with their thinkers and people to talk about technology and the health industry and all that stuff, we get together some of the brightest minds in the freedom, truth, conspiracy, decentralized tech, crypto, et cetera, movements, homestead, homeschooling movements. And for five days, we talk about mental, physical, spiritual health. We talk about permaculture and growing food. We talk about building community, decentralized technology, counter economics, five days of solutions. It's a live event in Texas and in Mexico, very affordable, and it's also free to watch online if you can't come in person. But I encourage you to just sign up for our email list, thegreaterreset.org. We'll be sending out updates as we get closer. I can confirm that we are already going to have Catherine Austin Fitz speaking, Christian Westbrook of Ice Age Farmer, um, Mm. and a lot of really other amazing people that People won't know their names, but they would want to know about the tools and tips that they have. Because that's one thing as well. It's like balancing between the big names that are going to draw people in and the people who don't have any following, but these people can teach you how to grow, you know, 
100 pounds of food in your backyard or something like that. You know, the people who are doing the good work, but just don't have a, a brand or something. So yeah. I encourage everybody to check it out at thegreaterreset.org. That's a great approach. It's kind of how I try to choose guests as well. But man, this is always a pleasure. You are one of the good ones. You're doing great work. And I'm lucky to know you and have you pop in every so often to keep us updated. But keep doing what you do. Keep fighting the good fight and take care out there, man. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate your time. Serenity now, people. The great, great Derek Bros. Man, his work ethic and commitment to solution-oriented projects is very impressive. You got to respect it. I'm enjoying having him on more and more and probably need to get familiar with other people that he works with. And I'm a big fan of how this went, actually. I expected a lot of the solutions talk to just take up 30 minutes or so, but we filled the whole first hour with a wide range of resources and ideas, and so it comes off as a way more positive episode than some others that are really talking about the same sort of stuff that's coming, just with a different tone. The Conscious Agora sounds awesome. Takebackourtech.com and the above phone was a nice addition to what is understandably usually a conversation focused on location and decentralized organic food. Also, I should mention his Sustainable Communities in Mexico map is now out and available. There is a link in the show notes to his page about it. Very ambitious plan to have a cross-border network between Mexico and Texas. Maybe Texas is where I want to be to get involved in this network somehow. It's funny because some people are so obsessed with the border and getting it sealed up, but it's been suggested before that they're going to seal the border right before Americans really want to start leaving en masse, so be careful what you wish for, because we're kind of talking about the early stages of that right now. If the Mexican government said, eh, we don't really want you, why don't you get your own house in order? (laughs) That would be one hell of a taste of our own medicine, wouldn't it? Anyway, I don't want to comment too much on that because the border is a real trigger issue for some people. Oftentimes, people who live nowhere near the border, (laughs) even though I actually do, and I know several people with jobs here who live over there. I know several people who live here and go over there for surfing and food. But when your main lens to view a problem is through the media, because it's not a local problem for you, everything looks like the sky is falling all the time, right? Media would also have you thinking that there's not a single roof that isn't on fire in California, too. Of course, I do have empathy for those who lose their homes. You'd have to be dumb not to. But California is a very big place, if you haven't noticed. Either way, really happy with this. I knew it was going to start by mentioning Allison's rant, and I didn't want to spend too much time throwing shade at her because that's not what we're about, but it is what brought me and Derek together again. And it is sort of important to talk about tone and candor and the nuance of being a person in this space. And you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to go back to the Dave Chappelle bit about imperfect allies, kind of his rebuttal to wokeness where nobody is ever pure enough. He makes points about Me Too and even apartheid and says, nobody's perfect, but if you aren't receptive and accepting of people who want to be helpful in your cause, 
If nobody can pass the purity test, then you'll be fighting your fight alone and it will probably fail. We've had this conversation about flat earthers too. They draw this line in the sand where if you're not a flat earther, then you're a shill and you're not on our side. Well, did COVID reorganize your priorities? Has the World Economic Forum made it seem a little more important to be on the same page with this sort of stuff than the shape of the world? Because I'm still here willing to find that common ground with you guys. But COVID lockdowns is a great example. When I was desperately looking for some resistance to all these tyrannical policies across my city, I didn't expect it to be churches. But there you go, imperfect allies. You've heard me talk not so kindly about organized religion in the past, but they were for vaccine freedom and committed to human interactions and public gatherings, so I let the small stuff that I didn't like go. Same with a lot of fanatical Trump folks, even some of our guests. They do great research, they have good arguments, but then they have to throw in some Big Daddy Don comments. And I just roll my eyes and move on. Who cares? These issues of masks and mandates and lockdowns were way more important to me than churches and politics. So I took imperfect allies wherever they were. I think Allison needs to reconsider what her real priority is. If it's to educate enough people to the nefarious plans of these folks and how digital technology and this new infrastructure is going to be instrumental in all of that, does ranting about me and Derek help that cause or hurt it? She obviously doesn't need us, but we really should be on the same side here. We can all be helpful. <sighs> but it's definitely not the first time a person has enjoyed doing interviews with me, more than one, and we're happy to promote their work on the show and gain access to our listeners and then suddenly broke bad and had some kind of problem with me and went on public rants about it. John Brisson would be the other one that comes to mind. And if I'm so bad, why did I give you one of the most informed and dedicated interviews ever, and why did you come back for another one? In both cases, with John and Allison, we did two interviews. And it feels a bit more like, now that you've captured the audience from the show, you get a whole new kind of attention by trying to slam me. And the commonality in both cases, the issue that they took was a misunderstanding of tool use. I accept crypto for THC plus because I will take it any way I can get it. I don't want it to be hard. I just want it to be reciprocal. I have bartered for wire wrapped jewelry. I barter for astrology readings. I have deals with two different coffee companies where they send me a big bag of beans every year and I plug them in for another 12 months of plus. If you want to give me Bitcoin or Ethereum, that's fine. But well, because the bad guys are going to be using blockchain, all crypto is bad. And if you use it, then you're bad. <laughs> and in John's case, he heard me talking about trying some magical rituals for manifestation. And because the bad guys use magic, all magic is bad. And so I'm bad. It really is the same flawed, simplistic logic in both cases. Funny how that works out. But these are intense and stressful times, and I don't want to pretend that I'm immune to it either. I get as bitchy as ever, to tell you the truth. I feel sorry for my wife sometimes. I can be a real downer when I get off some of these heavier interviews or when I'm preparing for them. 
and I just try really hard to keep it all in check. And I don't do much posting online at all, except for the work, so my embarrassing behavior is relegated to the home. I'm half kidding there, but I will acknowledge it's been harder to be my best self lately. And I'm sure I'm not alone. But all that said, I hope you dug this one. In the second hour, we did throw out a few other creative solution side things that I've seen Derek covering, like Detroit Soup, which is really great. And then we got deeper into the big machine, their plans, and his really impressive Pyramid of Power series. Some elements of all that would be the monkeypox operation, dissecting the digital ID plan, we discussed some child abuse, child trafficking news with uh, an investigation that's going on from the Utah County Sheriff's Office, as well as Ghislaine Maxwell's sentencing. We talked about the fashion industry to sex abuse pipeline, a vice hit piece that was done on Derek, and then we tried to squeeze in at least a little bit about that very thorough and impressive Pyramid of Power series. It's great educational material. And there's certainly going to be details that even the diehards wouldn't be familiar with. So I certainly give that the full Carl Wood stamp of approval. It is great stuff. As always, you know the deal. Sign up for Plus. Get a free seven-day trial so you know that it works with your apps and that you can conveniently get the second hour and that you enjoy it. I don't know why you wouldn't. You only hear half the show sticking with the free hour, but this is the name of the game. No advertisers, no sponsorships, just me and you, baby. And let's look at the meetup calendar. In the month of August, we've got, again, the Milwaukee Metaphysical Society in Milwaukee, Oregon. That is August 13th, coming up this weekend. Also the 13th, we have Strange Chats, Kansas City, North Kansas City, Missouri at Big Rip Brewing Company. And also this weekend on the 13th, we have a meetup at the Oroville, Washington Brickhouse Brewery. Then August 17th, we have a New Jersey conspiracy group meeting up in Paramus, New Jersey at a Panera Bread. <laughs> I like that. My wife used to work at Panera Bread back in the day. Kind of funny, but I do also like when people support local, independently owned businesses for these types of things. But hey, I don't make the rules. I just make a few suggestions. And then August 22nd, I see this just got added. Sunset by the Vast Conspiracy, Venice Beach in Venice, California. Very interesting. Looking at my calendar, that is a Monday, and sadly, I have an interview the next morning, so I'm going to be preparing for that, but otherwise, I'd consider driving up to Venice Beach. I like to see it. August 27th, the London THC meetup. Still looking to confirm that venue. They have not updated the event. I hope they do soon, because the place you go is kind of an important piece of the puzzle, but... He does say he's tossing the idea around of going to some pubs in King's Cross, Covent Garden, or the Camden area. So that's probably where it will be, but it is best to just pick a place, put it on the posting, and let the people come. And that's what we got for August so far. Not bad, not bad. Better than previous months, but 
there's a lot of listeners out there in a lot of locations, and I don't see why we shouldn't have way more events. Anyone can go to HiresideMeetups.com and make an account, create a free event, and start working on local solutions with like-minded people right in your area. I think we're due for a San Diego one myself, so maybe I'll get on that, but that's the show. I hope you're motivated if you weren't before. I hope you got a couple of resources that might be useful for you, and I hope you're charged up by seeing that we don't have to just sit around and wait for these nefarious plans to be implemented. We can engage with these solution-oriented countermeasures right now. We can support the right food suppliers. We can cover our digital tracks. And we can rally around bodily autonomy and get over our smaller differences. In the name of the greater good. The greater reset, as Derek would say. (laughs) But I'm getting out of here. Tell Derek you liked it. If you did, let him know you were fired up and inspired and see where you can help out. I've done my part. Your move, digital dystopia builders, self-appointed management class cronies, and World Economic Forum freaks. Your fucking. Sometimes when I get down, I eat a bunch of corporate junk. Process stuff that makes you fat. Yeah, it's a weak and sickly people making industry. That is another show complete. 
Remember, as much as you enjoyed this, which is just the free first hour, I hope you'll become a Plus member to hear the full two-hour interviews. You also can engage with other Plus members in the comments and the forums, and you'll find your answer to one of the most common questions I get, which is where can I find those cover songs that you use at the end of the show? Well, they are free downloads for Plus members too. And without Plus members, I can't hire the occasional musician to bring these odd cover song ideas to fruition. Plus members are how I'm able to do what I do without ads and without the big machine being on my back. We can fit so much more into a two-hour interview, and I do my best to make it worth your time and money. The conversation only gets deeper, weirder, and more controversial in that private hour. How could it not the way things are going? But the best way to sign up is at thehiresidechats.com, where new first-time subscribers always get a free seven-day trial because I'm just that confident. There's no PayPal on the website, but if you need to use PayPal, then sign up through Patreon and you get all the same episodes. Our website is a credit or debit system, but you can also scope out the other options like a few various cryptos, cash or check mailed to the P.O. Box, and I'll even barter with most people if you have your own business and produce something nice that my wife or kid or taste buds might like. But the architects of consensus reality have made it clear that these themes and topics aren't really welcome on the main stage. And so this is how we secure a little counterculture corner for ourselves, and I hope you'll join Plus because that is the only way it works. Besides, you can cancel anytime right on your profile page. The most common concern I hear is people just being unsure if THC Plus will work with their podcast app, and the answer is probably yes. But if not, we have several high-level app recommendations for whatever phone you use, and the website is made for mobile too. We're trained to tip a waitress for bringing us a sandwich, but that tip doesn't give you access to a second sandwich. Really, I'm not asking for any more than that, and I think I offer a better service. Come get your second serving of tasty conspiracy goodness in exchange for that small token of your appreciation. Beyond that, let it also be known that we have grown and survived as long as we have by word of mouth. I don't care so much about social media likes or follows, but tell the right people about THC. And not just listeners, but the high-level figures who are better suited to sit down with me than most other hosts. And if you can help me with any of these things, I can work to bring you better shows, which is just a win-win for both of us. Informative, entertaining, and action-packed. It also never hurts to thank a guest you liked if you have the time either. We want them to know people are listening, so they're willing to come back down the road too. Thank you for spending some time with me and cheers to a better tomorrow.